and welcome, fellow griever. Today, you've reached Season 2, Episode 22 of the Leftover Pieces podcast. And today, I'm going to go down the rabbit hole and talk about something that's been on my mind a lot this week. Hope. And it would be fair to say that hope is on my mind a lot anyway, because of living with suicide loss grief and doing this podcast and leading other fellow grievers toward hope on the Leftover Pieces online community. So as you can imagine, it was my absolute honor and privilege when I was asked to be a part of Kim White's annual Hope to Hope conference. She's been doing this conference now for over 10 years. It was the 20th Hope to Hope conference. And Kim started this conference from her own heart, from her own experiences of knowing that in life, we really just live from hope to hope. And that's really a very positive spin on how to look at the things that happen to us in life. And Kim, unlike a lot of us, has experienced great loss. Hope to Hope became an idea of hers in the years that followed the loss of her son, Justin, at age 13 to a tragic accident. So I'll give you just a little idea of what to expect if you choose to listen. And I have put a link in my bio today, too. I put a link in my bio today, too, because that's the day that I spoke. But if you go to that day, you'll see that you can also go to YouTube and watch day one. And I can't tell you which day was better because they were equally impactful. Each day was made up of four hours of speakers coming on and sharing their story of where they broke open. And they also then shared what good came from that. So every story, while it is um, somebody's story of being broken open in some place in their life, whether it's loss or hardship, they also share the good, the hope that came from this circumstance. Each speaker uh, got 30 minutes to talk I was privileged to be a co-host with several other wonderful people, and I was a featured speaker. I was actually the last speaker of the conference. So on day two, I'm in the last 30 minutes. I can't tell you the exact uh, mark that I spoke at, but I am still in just this kind of headspace of thinking about hope after spending two days and eight hours talking to people about their experiences and hope. It's on my mind. And a lot of times I actually record these episodes days or a week before I even put him out. I knew I was going to record this episode the day after the day that it's actually going out because I kind of had a feeling I was going to still want to talk about hope a little bit. So So the question in some people's mind might be like, what is hope and why do we need to talk about it? And one of the things that I really uh, found myself thinking a lot about after one of the speakers uh, this weekend was that this particular woman said that you have to choose hope 
or you have to remain seated in hopelessness. As a suicide loss survivor and a griever, it spoke so loudly to me. So let's start kind of where I tend to do things a lot, and let's define hope. Hope is defined as a feeling of expectation and a desire for like a certain thing to happen or a want for something to happen. Synonyms for hope are things like desire, wish, dream, expectation, expect, anticipate. So you get it. But the reason I think it's important to kind of deconstruct these ideas, and especially with hope, is because I think a lot of people, a lot of us, think that hope is just going to drop in out of the sky, like it's going to just show up one day, we're going to suddenly go from hopeless to hopeful. And we don't really understand the concept, we don't understand that we have control over whether we're hopeless or hopeful. And again, why is hope important? Well, from where I sit and wanting to help, well, do what my actual mission is, which is lead other parents who have lost a child by suicide toward hope and into healing, we have to find hope. So you ha- that's, that's the whole key of where this journey to heal after the loss of suicide starts. So you can see why this conference spoke so loudly to me. Um, so we have to, in order to, you know, once we find it, the whole idea of once we have it, we're able to move ahead. We're able to carry on. We're able to be okay. Eventually it allows us to even shine. So why do most grievers struggle with finding hope? Or maybe we should say in deciding to be hopeful. Well, it's really very simple because they're in excruciating pain. A trauma beyond their comprehension has occurred. And helplessness or hopelessness in this case exists when we feel we have no control. So let me say that again. Hopelessness exists when we feel like we have no control. So we must change our thinking. And here's the thing. That's where the hard stuff lies. That's where we have to make a decision. We have to choose to say, I want hope to show up. I'm ready to be hopeful. I'm going to read a quote that I love from former President Barack Obama. He says, hope is that thing inside us that insists, despite all the evidence to the contrary, that something better awaits us if we have the courage to reach for it and to work for it and to fight for it. I just love that quote. So it also doesn't fall short on me because there's a lot of intention in it that this conference falls in the middle of the holiday season And I'm talking about this in the middle of the holiday season, or rather kind of at the beginning of it, we're all getting ready to go into Thanksgiving here in America. And that signifies the next month, bringing in the holiday season. For a lot of people, that's Christmas. For some people, it's Hanukkah. 
some people call it the season of Yule, but it signifies that time of year that we're kind of getting together and celebrating with family. And this can be one of the most difficult seasons in the entire year for many people, especially grievers all over the world. So I'm going to do something just slightly different here, slightly different than I do sometimes. And I want to actually give you a tool that you can use, a tool that might help you a little bit over the next month. And so if you just listen to it now, just know that you can come back to about the nine minute mark in this. And I will actually tag the min- the the time in the show notes so that you can come back to this exercise and review it after you've listened and maybe implement it in your own life because it's truly powerful. It's an acupressure exercise. It's extremely easy. I'm going to give it to you step by step. And then, like I said, you can go back and listen to it if you want. And the idea of this is going to be to help get us past that feeling of hopelessness that we often feel, especially this time of year. So in order to do that, we have to re-engage the thinking part of our brain. I'm going to teach you this exercise, and then hopefully you can do it when you need it. So acupressure is similar to acupuncture. I mean, it's in the same family. It's an ancient Japanese technique, but acupressure just uses pressure points in our body. So the purpose of this one is going to be specifically to improve your brain to body communication. It's going to actually help increase your blood supply to your brain. It's going to increase oxygen intake. And a lot of times during this holiday season and when we're stressed, we don't realize that we're not taking in as much oxygen because we're shallow breathing. And it's going to also increase the flow of electromagnetic energy in your body. So it's going to do all these positive things. It will also then kind of what happens is it decreases the release of adrenaline and cortisol, which both are released a lot as a trauma response and are very detrimental to our physical health. Our thinking brain just from this exercise will re-engage on some level. You're going to have a decrease of stress hormones and you're going to find yourself a little bit more awake and alert if you implement this several times a day and it doesn't take very long. So now I'm going to actually explain to you what you need to do. In order to do this acupressure exercise, you're going to be locating your K27 acupressure points. In order to do this, take your right hand and your K27 points are located just below your collarbone. So to find them, I'm going to try to describe it the best I can without a visual aid or a picture since you're listening, but take your right hand and turn it sideways like you were going to make a a duck quack. I don't know how else to say it besides, you know, or when we're mimicking people talking, we're like, you know, our thumb and fingers are opening. Do that. Close your finger and thumbs together and then open them just enough that there's equal space between your thumb and fingers. So like there's an inch space and you've got your finger. So you've got your hand like, like you're holding a sandwich maybe. Now take your fingers and your thumb just like that 
and go to just below your sternum and feel that little U-shaped notch that you have right there below your collarbone. Now take your hand and just slide your fingers and forethumbs open and your hand will be laying right there kind of in the middle of your chest, where a lot of times if we feel like we're, you know, choked up or something, we'll put our hand right there in the middle of our chest. And I will include a link in the show notes so that you can go to a place where you can see some diagrams on how this is done if you don't feel like you have it right, but you probably do. Now take your left hand, keep your right hand where it is on your chest and take your left hand, slightly spreading your fingers apart and your thumb and place your left hand with the palm side over your navel, right across the middle of your belly, right across your belly button. And now with a little bit of pressure, not a lot, but just a little bit, like you're pushing in just slightly, hold these points and continue holding the pressure as you inhale to the count of four. Pause. And now exhale to the count of four. Continue holding the pressure as you inhale to the count of four. Exhale to the count of five. Then inhale to the count of four. Exhale to the count of six. Inhale to the count of four, exhale to the count of seven, inhale to the count of four, exhale to the count of eight. And so you see what you've done is you've gone from your inhale is always going to be four, but you're going to between four and eight, which is five different times four, five, six, seven, eight, you're going to increase by one second each time the amount of exhale. And you really only need to do it up to eight. So in your mind, just realize you're always starting at the same four that you're inhaling, but you're going to just slightly increase that exhale amount. So let's just try like one time where we're going to increase, we're going to inhale to four and we're going to exhale to six. So inhale, three, four, exhale, and so the idea behind this, I mean, it's science, they've, they've done studies where they actually hook people up and take their brain waves in the normal situation, and then they're able to do it during, before, during, and after exercises like this. And they've even followed people for the long term of seeing what happens to them over the weeks and months as they implement practices like this. So it's really not just a woo-woo practice in case, you know, you're kind of thinking that. I, I challenge you to kind of do what I've done a lot in this journey after suicide loss, which is test myself, try things I haven't tried before, that is where I have found some of the greatest success, some of the greatest success in finding my center and finding my hope and my give a damn again has been in trying and implementing things that bring me back to myself, 
back to my body, back to the earth, back to the environment, back to being connected to the energy of my soul. And so I just think it's worth a try. And I felt like it was really relevant to this talk about hope. And I'm just going to kind of start to wrap things up here by acknowledging that I know what I'm asking, if this is something that you're struggling to do, which is find hope. I know it's hard. I know it's beyond hard. There's still days or moments that hopeless wins. But I will tell you that hope wins way more in today's life for me than hopelessness does. And that does all go back to choices. I choose, I surround myself with reminders and, and I have tools. And if I don't have a right tool at some point, I just decide that I need to find one to fit the situation. And then the third thing that comes into this is that point that I drive home all the time, which is you do have to have community, whatever that looks like for you. You know, you have to have a support network and you have to have a community of people that will hold you accountable, but also hold you up and help you along the way. We aren't meant to do this alone. And I'm going to share just kind of a fun fact. I almost forgot about this. And then I saw a note that I had written here to the side. And this note just says two, two, two on it. And it was something that I figured out when I was writing down the episode and season and all that. This is season two, episode 22. And in numerology, I just think it's so awesome that that is a sign of positivity. Actually, 222 in numerology often means good luck or joy. And it's a reminder. Many see it as a reminder that you're on a good path. So I thought how fitting that I'm recording an episode about hope on 2.22. So just another little tidbit to take with you on that. And then here's my little kind of extra information or announcement at the end that I promised you at the beginning. So if you've made it this far, what I want you to do now, if you haven't done it before, is go to my website. The link is in my Instagram. It's going to be in the show notes. It's theleftoverpieces.com. And consider signing up for the support group. Consider taking a step toward finding your community. The reason I host these support groups is exactly that, so that you have a place to come to find your community because grievers all over the world can come into this community. And here's some of the exciting piece. So because we're in the first few months of these groups, I have set a goal and a date of the very first group for January. There's going to be some really fun, different options and changes that are coming your way, griever. And I will be announcing those things in December so that ahead of January, you know, but if you're in the group, you'll have some inside access to knowing what those changes are going to be, what the additions are going to be. I actually think it's really exciting. I'm building this community. I'm doing nothing but trying to guide and lead and be here to offer the things 
that honestly would have helped me had I found a community like this. So everything I'm doing is for you from the standpoint of me thinking, what what did I need when I was at this this place in my grief? And that means I'm always open to your feedback. I'm always open to suggestions. I'm always open to constructive criticism. I'm always open to anything that you want to offer. So today, I'm going to leave you with one last thought. It's a quote from an author, Barbara Kingsolver. And she's a fictional author who writes a lot about the unbelievable endurance of people when they're put in difficult situations. She says, the very least you can do in your life is figure out what you hope for. And the most you can do is live inside of that hope, not admire it from a distance, but live right in it under its roof. So that's all for today, Griever. You are in my thoughts and my heart, and my hope is that something here today resonated with you. Talk soon. Talk soon.